Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Junk Podcast for Saturday, October 28th, 2023. This is episode number 916, and my name is Sean. My name is Jay. And my name is Frank. Coming up on this week's episode, we've got a retro review of The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man. Going to be fun it's to talk about, about that one. Man's inhumanity to man. We've also got a few other things we watched, so thanks for tuning in and glad to have you guys with us. We're recording this a little bit early this week just because uh, we kind of want to get this out in time for Halloween. And, you know, there was a bit of a debate. Is the Wicker Man horror enough? Is it Halloween enough? <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into it. It's uh, <laughs> it's a debate, but um, we also I don't have... think it's much of a debate. <laughs> you don't think? No, I think it's not very Halloween at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I suppose it's kind of Halloween because there's costumes and yeah, there's masks, but it's it's definitely not like uh, scary. Actually, I was inspired for a potential Halloween costume from the movie. You know what it, it is? Mm. Mm. The salmon of knowledge. Oh, yeah. I think that's that, a great that would one. Be good, yeah. <laughs> that would be good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good reference. Everyone would get that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we also have a Criterionitis episode going up for patrons over at patreon.com slash filmjunk. Wow. And we're going to be talking about House, a.k.a. Houseu. Hello. It's been a while. Yeah, which, you know, another strange horror movie that straddles a few genres um that's going to be an interesting conversation as well so keep an eye out for that october junk mail is up for patrons now as well people seem to like that one a lot i feel like it was a longer episode and we definitely went deep on a few few different topics so an hour and a half longer than house (laughs) yeah Anytime you talk candy bars, fast food, it's a win. <laughs> that I know. Yeah. I know some people have been asking for food junk. Um, so, you know, at some point, maybe. Maybe it'll happen. Not that I would be on it necessarily, you know. Neither would I. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, anything anything going on with you guys? I mean, I feel like it's been a couple days since we talked, so probably not too much has changed. Frank, you went under the visor recently. Yeah, I guess briefly today, got a MetaQuest 3, went and saw The Killer with Dwayne this afternoon, went to a concert last night, The Beaches, went to the Bills game on Thursday. So yeah, it feels like literally yesterday we were talking. Time is just flying by. I mean, you packed a lot of stuff in there, though. I, I've done nothing, so... It's the way I live, bud. <laughs> Apparently. Life to the max. <laughs> cool. Steady! Steady! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have too much else in terms of preamble here, um, but maybe we can uh, jump into a little bit of a shout-out. Cool. Eddie. 
idiot. So uh, this week's hero shout out is Stefan Erpenbeck. Stefan or Stefan? Erpenbeck? Erpenbeck. Erpenbeck. I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've seen a few Stefans around the site. I don't know about Erpenbeck. I don't know if that's one of the Stefans that we we hear from from time to time. But uh, hey, Stefan, this is your shout out. You are a hero. Thank you so much for supporting the show and uh, being a part of Film Junk. But if it was Stefan Erpenbeck commenting, it would say Stefan Erpenbeck. Well, I'm, I'm thinking junk mails. I'm thinking other places as well. Um, but so the name is there for the junk mail question. That's true. Stefan, you right. need to clear this up. <clears throat> I'm just been? worried if Sean gave Where out a last you name, he's not supposed to give out. <laughs> I don't think oh. so. But hey, you know, if you... Uh, if you are a patron and you don't want your last name mentioned, hey, you can let us know. That's that's also something we could do when we give you a shout well, out. Well, we I believe the official rule is whatever the user ID name is publicly on Letterboxd, that's what we put out to the world. On Letterboxd? Oh, I mean, <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> that is we don't look up your Letterboxd again. We don't care. Uh <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if, I hope that's the way we've been doing it. My God, if we haven't. I'm pretty sure that's how we've been doing it. You can relax a little bit there, Frank. Don't worry. Frank's losing it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Sean, it's, it's Halloween, dude. You got a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> beside Sean's you. Let's go, like bud. The most chilled out Halloweener. Just throw, dude, give us a little wolf howl. Come on, man. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there we go. Hello after that. Nice. (laughs) Hello. There we go. That's the energy we need. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, it's like hitting a note when they do the little... Hello. Yeah. What do you call that hello. thing in music class to get your pitch? <laughs> Give him a hello. Let's get him there. <laughs> Got to match that intensity. How do you feel? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, do you guys have plans for Halloween? Is there anything going on for you or no? Certainly not. I got to give out nope. candy, dude. We don't have to. I mean, you can just turn the lights out and leave your house if you got better things going on. I know better but, than that. You don't play that game around here. No, that's not the way you do it. The way you do it is you answer the door every time and just say you don't have any. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna be. Do you, Sean? Handing- do you have? Are you wearing a costume this year? I don't think so. I will be handing out candy. I may throw on like a scream mask or something. But I nothing. thought you were, don't you always do a family costume? Well, hey, man, uh, Kieran, Kieran's breaking it this year. He's out. He's too cool for Halloween. So I guess I'm too cool for Halloween now. He's not doing Halloween at all? Yeah, apparently. I mean, unless he just hangs out with some friends or something, but they're not trick-or-treating. He's not wearing a costume. <laughs> yes. I will uh, let him know that. You, you gave him a little uh, hero <laughs> drop on that. But yeah, I mean, maybe we'll watch watch a movie. We watched Five Nights at Freddy's uh, last Ooh. night. So I'll, I'll talk a bit about that. But 
that's the extent of it. Is that on VOD? It is uh, in in the U.S. via oh. Peacock. Sign up for ExpressVPN and you can watch Five Nights at Freddy's in the U.S. <laughs> on Peacock with promo code Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's exactly how you do it. But um, okay, well, I mean, I think it's time to get into this retro review. Which, uh, you know, a few people have been asking for. It came up on the, the junk mail episode, and hey, one thing led to another. Here we are, talking about The Wicker Man, released in 1973. Tell me something good. <laughs> and by... there's a 4K coming out soon, correct? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I out believe it came out places. in the States, but it's a Best Buy exclusive. So it will probably arrive soon, I would imagine. Yeah, and but wasn't there also like a UK version out prior to that as well? Yes, I believe it's a Studio Canal restoration. Right. Studio so, Canal has the strangest like sound for their production logo. Like I don't know what <laughs> I don't even know what it's supposed to be. That's it's the like, old the old logo. Uh, I love their their new, not new, but their latest logo. But yeah, it's like a balloon or something or it's like a parody thx thing it's yeah <laughs> yeah peculiar uh absolutely so, so the wicker man is directed by robin hardy and stars uh edward woodward christopher lee and diane salento and the plot synopsis is a puritan police sergeant arrives in a scottish island village in search of a missing girl who the pagan locals claim never existed um, I, I assume we'll try to not address the ending right away, but I think we're not, we're not doing a separate spoiler discussion. It, it will be part of this review. So if you haven't seen the wicker man and you know, you plan on watching it, you can wait to listen to this review, but uh, if you haven't seen it in the last 40 plus years, then, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's 50 years old this year. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yikes. <laughs> Pretty Time crazy. Flies. <laughs> so what did you guys think of The Wicker Man? I'll let Frank go first. I don't think he's seen it previously. Well, let's just... What are people saying? Well, let's see what you're saying. Do you think <laughs> I liked The Wicker Man? This is the thing. It's hard to say because I don't know what you've heard people saying. So... I'll tell you what I've heard people say. It's I've heard more about the Nicolas Cage one being bad and I've seen like some clips from that and I've just heard this one is strange or weird. That's all I'd heard. Okay. Did, did you eat popcorn I, while watching it? No. Did you masturbate? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you play Pikmin three? No. Um, I'm going to say you liked it because it's got songs and masks and it's got weird, like, bald men and fat men saying things that are weird. Um, <laughs> but you're going to criticize Christopher Lee because he's just not as good as everyone says. And ultimately the movie is not as good as everyone says, but you, you enjoyed how weird it is. Sean. I mean, that sounds about right to me. I could okay. disagree with that. Well, I really liked it. I thought it was, uh, excellent. And weird in all the best ways possible. I think it starts off 
in an amazing way with like this thanks to the Lord of Summer, uh, Summer Isle kind of treating it like a documentary. That's not real, right? Like that's all fake for the movie, that intro text, I assume. I don't think so. I think that's that's the name intended of the to be real, isn't it? It says a special thanks to Lord Summer Isle. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind oh. of assumed it was fake, but... Maybe it's fake. I thought maybe there was uh, just some... Not that there was actual... Like if they were talking about consultants, basically. Like a thank you to the the pagan consultants, but... Sean, I thought you guys uh, would know uh, for sure I'm if Googling, this was I'm Googling. real or I fake. Mean, I mean, the Summer Isles are real, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayday is real. All of the ceremonies they talk about are real. Either way, even if it is re- like real or fake, and we're not sure, I think it's I mean, an What issue. is real anymore? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think it's a very interesting way to frame the movie. And... Uh, I thought, if anything, Jay was going to say, this movie ruined other movies for me in terms of Hot Fuzz, Midsummer. A lot of my favorite movies of all time seem to be borrowing from uh, element or elements from The Wicker Man. So it was it was actually I like the structure of this movie a bit more and how the mystery unfolds with just this stranger investigating and asking questions. I thought it it had like a, a calmness and attend and attention at the same time with like just everything being off. And I think the runtime really helps it. Like it, it, it's not getting too deep into anything. It's just always presenting you with these. I think the strength of the movie is taking weird things and presenting it normally, like within this community, these are normal things and it's how they've learned and grown up. And I think there's also a reverse commentary of how we project our own values and religion onto other places we go uh, or judge other things. And he's the outcast with Christianity in this other society. And it kind of like the only thing that's different is what they grew up with, what they know. And I think that's an interesting contrast and it's used pretty effectively in the movie um yeah when he's he's protesting their <clears throat> their pagan religion by saying he's a man of god you know he believes in jesus and it's just like two dueling religions right he, he's yeah. kind of dismiss dismissing theirs for his but they pr- both grew up in this faith that they find important yeah, or the example of when he's they're talking about jumping over fires for fertility uh, or conception, and he's Christopher Lee is like, well, you mean like a ghost impregnating uh, the Virgin Mary or something like that, and uh, pointing out how every religion has like fantastical elements that people believe in. Uh, so I, I think that's an interesting contrast of flipping it from what typical or at least probably more so in the seventies that was represented in movies in terms of religion. It's, it's kind of tipping the scales. And I think the way every, it seems like a completely normal village, probably the same thing hot fuzz did until it goes off the rails towards the end. Uh, And I think all that stuff works. I think the ceremony is really, I don't know how accurate it is to may day, 
like the swords and the masks and the different costumes. I thought all of that stuff was excellent. Like, like it, it felt real in a, in a, in a interesting way. And the sword, the filming of the swords, the six swords, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and the tension surrounding that, uh, I thought that was very well done. The thing I'm not sure about yet, I generally like, but the music is hit and miss for me. <laughs> like the, the, the corn rig for you. The, cor- the corn rig song <laughs> that plays in the opening. Uh, I mean, it, it feels weird. So I like that about it. I don't know if it's supposed to feel weird or supposed to feel uh, genuine. Uh, there are some other songs that I think are, are quite effective, but overall, I, I thought it was a very easy watch. I do have some questions when we get into spoiler territory. And I also want to talk about like, I think we should list some of the, the weird things like weird, uh, like what's the word boundary pushing things that are, especially for 1973, I would assume that were inserted into this movie, but yeah, I, I loved it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it also beyond religion, the, the idea, the way it, it presents repression I mean, specifically religious repression for him, but an open society to the extremes, both extremes, a very open society who's cool with like fucking in a uh, yard and a guy who doesn't want to have sex before marriage. When those two ideologies clash, you get magic, right? Um, I I am a, a big fan of the Wicker Man. I think... I'm probably in line with what you're saying, Frank. Like there's there's stuff in here that's weird and maybe it doesn't quite work, but it's what gives it character. And the songs are are a big part of that. Um, and I think it's well-directed. It's very simple. The director was a writer primarily, and I think they only directed three movies. This was their first. And like two other th- movies that didn't do very well, including a return to like the world of the wicker man or something like that. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I've, I've heard it's not great, but, but there's also, it's been a while since I've seen the remake of the wicker man. And I feel like the, the comedy in that remake, as ridiculous as that movie is when you cut it up into like a meme, it is pretty silly, but it kind of captures the spirit of the original like the original is pretty like comedic as well not in a way i think the difference is maybe with the wicker man remake they were trying to um push it a little bit and and use that to create some sort of uh, identity for that film but him the, the the lead character in this film running around in the punch jester outfit and you know it, it it's it's interesting watching such a self-serious character end up in the situations he's in having to be in costumes. And, um, I think that's kind of also what gives it some character is just how, how impenetrable the lead is in, in terms of his faith, his ideologies, the way he interacts with people in the town. He's just got a stick up his ass and, you know, getting him into a jester costume is like the first step towards 
freedom to, to, towards martyrdom, this guy is going to go into the beyond and fuck all eternity. You know, he's ready to go. And I love him for it. I love him even more for it. And the Christopher Lee character, I love the sort of like fantasy island vibe he gives off. Uh, you know, like we just want these people love apples so much. <laughs> they just want their apples again. But those little details at the beginning when he's in the, and you know, we were talking about American Werewolf in London. It's a very kind of similar opening, that classic like show up to this strange little village, enter a, a, an inn or a, a pub or a bar, and the locals start kind of questioning you and acting strange. And you're like, I'm in a stranger in a strange world. The way that this handles that is really effective. Um, and uh, I mean, that that sort of structure, that narrative structure, I think is a dependable one. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Dracula, which we'll get to with House when we do our Criterionitis review. Those very simple narrative steps of like arriving, a group arriving to a castle or a house and trying to settle in and things slowly starting to reveal themselves and it being a strange place. And um, this one is similar in, in its construction. And I just find it's a very dependable and, and easy narrative to fall into. But it does take it in some interesting directions, for sure. But what I was going to say with the, the beginning in that pub, when he's asking about you know, can I have an apple? And she says, there are no apples, but we've got peaches and cream. And, and he's complaining that it's coming from a can in this place that's supposed to be known for its like fresh fruit. Um, it's just a nice little like character thing that, you know, he actually cares enough on the job in this little town to want fresh peaches, but also suggests something about the place. Um, yeah, it's, and then her little wall knock uh, routine where she's nude in bed and knocking on the wall and singing the song and starts <laughs> singing directly to camera. Just mystifying. Holy shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about like the kind of simple structure of the film. And I think it's got a pretty solid mystery that kind of brings you through a lot of the film. And it's weird because your mind is kind of trying to think like all these things that are happening, like that one person tells him this and another person tells him that, like all these conflicting things that the townspeople are telling him about this disappeared girl. And you're, you're trying to like, how does this make sense? Like these things don't go together, but it's like, ultimately they're just fucking with him because he's there. He's been brought there for a reason and the mystery doesn't really matter. Right. Like that's, I don't know. I think that's a, a pretty cool element of the movie as well. It's and kind of like uh, the lady vanishes, you know, the, the whole first act of the lady vanishes in that inn where they're all piled in and waiting for the the next train, getting to know each other. Then there's some weird mystery. And then the, the second, the second and third acts being about someone who's missing, but nobody claims to have seen them. Um, it's definitely a definitely a banger of a narrative, dude. It's fucking it's great. Well, Sean great. kind of veered into spoiler territory already. A little so, bit. A little bit. Uh, another movie okay. that I think 
connects to this is the game. And specifically when they're they're revealing things towards the end, they call it a game and refer to it as the game is over and stuff like that. So And uh, some of the logic questions of the game also I think play into this a little bit. I think yeah, the logic you- is pretty tight on this one. But we can get into it l- later. Airtight or watertight? Not sure. I just watched it today, but I was, I was even right now I was thinking about, well, what about that thing? I'm like, no, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, it's, well, we'll get into it, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, just to talk about the idea of like, is this movie scary quote unquote, or like, you know, was it appropriate for Halloween or is it a horror movie? Like it's an interesting thing, but like I, there is something about just being on that Island and realizing that he's isolated, completely surrounded by these people. And even if they're not like directly threatening him, they're acting strange. And I think that there's just something off about all his interactions. Right. And I think that at least makes you feel uneasy throughout the film, but it's weird because, you know, it'd been a while since I had watched this film and I kind of thought there were more direct kind of acts of aggression towards him throughout the film before you get to the end and there kind of isn't, but I guess it's just weird that I remembered it that way. And I, I, so I think there is a sense of like menace and foreboding there, but, um, well, there's like some dreams and hallucinations he has too, right. With like the hand and some other stuff going on. So it's not aggression towards him, but it's setting a tone that's mildly horrific, I would say. And I, I mean, I mentioned Midsummer. I think Midsummer also borrows pretty liberally uh, from this movie. Although I think it pushes it more in a horror direction than this one does. But I, again, it's also hard to judge. And one of the things I like about both movies, if not love, is that all of these terrible or weird things are happening in broad daylight. It just it makes it a little weirder where typically things are framed where you can't see them in horror movies and uh, the the terror of night. And this is all out in the open and it makes it all even more off-putting. Yeah. And I think part of the horror, and again, this is, this is one of those things where it's like, try to go back to when this came out and how it probably, you know, would have been much more effective then because the idea that pretty good chance, most of the people watching this were, Christian to some degree, uh, and it's a very British film. So like, you know, coming at it from the point of view of like British society at the time and what is considered acceptable or decent, quote unquote. And it's like the movie's pushing things and making you uncomfortable in ways that back then probably would have made people even more uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting that you know the menacing thing throughout the film is just people like fucking in public and stuff like that's the thing that's setting this guy off but well now's the time to go down the list i think of the weird things weird things i got a bunch <laughs> okay uh the turquoise beans mm-hmm. i sure. think that's like a nice starter it, it's literally the aperitif to the uh the strangeness of the film uh, the, the maypole itself, this being a phallic symbol and like kids are doing stuff, dancing around it and they, the way they talk about it, 
uh, in the classroom is pretty strange. Uh, frog throat, putting the frog in the, the girl's mouth to treat the sore throat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like pizza throat. That's why I wrote it as frog throat. It, um, foreskins, just a jar of foreskins, labeled foreskins. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that. Oh, I whatever, dude. Tell weird. me another movie that is a jar of foreskins. Uh, the umbilical cord on the grave tree for Rowan. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty fucked up. Uh, I can't remember how they refer to it, too. The They don't call it the umbilical cord. They call it the. I can't the, remember. Something now. ribbon or ribbon? stomach ribbon or line or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and the, the number one for me was this gravestone that's protected by serpent ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you know, I, I. When we're all dead and buried, we got to get serpent ejaculate <laughs> on our gravestones to protect there, it. There are so many things that I just like on, as one-offs want to pull out of this movie. Like serpent ejaculate, that would be a good gag to to bring that back. If you really love the Wicker Man, to put that on your, on your mm-hmm. gravestone. And I think my single favorite thing in this movie is a production design element. Anyone know what it might be? Any guesses? Or mm-hmm. maybe you feel the same way? I'll just... The Green Man in sign. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm looking up t-shirts for it right now. <laughs> uh, that would immediately go on my list of, like, movie props that, like, you could hang that up in your house. That would be an all-timer. I don't know where that thing is. That is a cool movie prop to have. Any Green Man New Era hats out there? Oh you my should, God, good idea. You should start a, <laughs> a minor league baseball team, the Green Men, and that can be the logo. Yeah, the Summer Isle Green Men. <laughs> I like it. Ni- Niagara is the green belt, so it would make sense. Well, the, the Jackfish do like movie nights and rebrand every year. Maybe I can get them to go Wicker Man. It's family friendly, right? They can show the Wicker Man at uh, oh, yeah. the local state. But it's the eyes. The, like, the eyes have this, they look like they're almost metal and they go, go inwards. It's fucking nuts, dude. I love that sign. I just love the Green Man. I, I, I really need to learn more about that whole myth. Well, there's also, you got to watch The Green Knight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some I mean, connection. It's, there. it's definitely in men quite a bit. Oh, there's also like The Green Man has like the sign in The Wicker Man, like flower teeth. Did you see that? Like little daisies or flower teeth? Oh, dude, this thing is fucking cool. I don't know if this was designed for the movie or not, but. Next <laughs> year, Halloween. You, you got to get Green those man? flower teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have to Yeah, get custom grills where it's like blacked out with daisies on it. Oh, this could be good. This could be a good costume. I mean, there's well, there's so much Halloween costume potential. 74, 73 Halloween, probably more 74. It usually takes a year for this stuff to pick up enough steam to do it at Halloween. It, it wasn't like Barbie. Uh, now where it's, everyone's it's gonna like have the, a Barbie uh, costume, Britney knife dance. <laughs> Is that a popular costume? Yeah, I, I, I would. I could see that. Uh, I mean, even Christopher Lee in the woman's outfit near the end when yeah. they're they're smashing the barrels and rolling them into the sea. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's the imagery is great, but I think the thing that, and we've touched on it already, the thing that really separates it is its tone. The tone is just so hard to pin down because the music adds like a weird light feeling to it. it I mean, it feels like something that you can imagine being made not long after the end of the summer of love. And, you know, there's still the hippie, uh, pagan occult sort of, you know, runoff of that. Yeah. But that butting up against the cop and his, his rules, um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting tone. And the movie kind of just plays that back and forth in a really interesting way. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty common thing for horror movies now to have some kind of music that's, you know, whether it's kids singing like nursery rhymes or something like that, something that's like light and happy, but set it against horror. Like that's a pretty common juxtaposition now. This like, you know, in, in 1973 is doing it in a way that's like totally different. And and I, I think it is. You know, well, like the, I, the seed song, I think, is the equivalent in this movie. The kids singing about the man and his seed and right. all, all that stuff around the phallic maypole. The but, need for seed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's even like that, dancing on the edge of chaos and order. <laughs> but I think even that, like the opening song when he's just getting off the boat and everything. Yeah, that's the corn like, rigs. That like that feels <laughs> purposeful and trying to to be a little bit creepy, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was just like, just a soundtrack at the time or something. I don't know, but. It, it just, to me, sounds like a, it doesn't even sound, it's interesting because it doesn't sound like it makes sense with where they are. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like a, like a folky, hippie, like you can imagine the Manson family singing it, which mm-hmm. I guess suggests creepiness, but yeah, it's a weird one. Well, I even when he's approaching in the plane, they have that aerial shot of like how the runoff from the mountains would have like provided, I'm assuming like irrigation or something like that, where there's like the fertile development of land and stuff like that. And I thought that was like really interesting uh, stage setting and establishment shots and getting an idea of what this village is all about. I, I, I think it's really efficient and economic storytelling in this movie. Dude, you gotta, you gotta rewatch, uh, Helltown now. Why is that? that? Mm. There's a little bit of, uh, Wicker Man in there. Yeah, I can see that. Sacrifice in the town and the drought and no crops. And, but you know, I, I really hope that your viewing of Wicker Man didn't ruin Helltown for you. (laughs) It didn't. Here, do you want to, want a little, uh, corn rigs? The, the yeah, Wendigo had eyes similar to the Green Man Inn. Which did? In what did? The Wendigo in your, mo- in your movie. Oh. Hold on. <laughs> um, you should have made the villain the Green Man. That's gold. So apparently, I, I guess the songs are by a band called Magnet or a performer called Magnet. Magnet? Magnet. That's an amazing yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. It was upon a llama's night when corn rigs are bonny. 
Beneath the moon's unclouded light, I held a while to Annie. Hello. He's like dancing on the edge of chaos and order. Frank says the key to change is all in the way we speak to one another. I'm gonna come. Corn rigs and barley rigs. Corn rigs are bonny. I'll not forget that happy night. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Tell me something good. <laughs> so Frank, pretty good. little, uh, if you, if you like Magnet as a band name, tell me how you feel about this. Cause in some versions of the film, the band is not credited as Magnet, but rather Lodestone. <laughs> That's also pretty good. <laughs> yeah. This, this artist probably should have just sold band names to other people. <laughs> They're pretty good. I don't. I I saw the the title or the name Corn Rigs in the opening credits, but I don't remember. I thought it was like the writer's name, not. Oh, it might remember. be the music. The other music might be by Magnet. This song, I think, is by Paul Giovanni. Maybe. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It says I don't, the, the soundtrack contains thirteen folk songs performed by Magnet. Maybe Paul Giovanni is like a member of Magnet, but he. Or Lodestone, but he went out and wrote Corn Rigs by himself as like a one-off. Oh, it says the lyrics of the song were taken directly from the Burns song, The Rigs of Barley, but he used a different tune. Hmm. Hmm. All right, we're good I, with I, this tangent. I, I hate the lyrics. I hate the <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> Maybe because I had subtitles on and it just the number of times he talks about corn rigs, I just was like, <laughs> fuck, man. Let it go. I mean, I don't, that know, is, I don't know what a corn rig is. Me neither. I mean, it's like a rig with corn, man, I guess. <laughs> right? I assumed it meant corn row, but I don't know. Corn rigs and barley rigs and corn on the rig. Good Lord. The rigs are the traditional drainage system, which was based on dividing fields into ridges around three feet high, hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Pretty cool. I mean, yeah, putting subtitles on and getting the lyric, full lyrics for the all of the songs is great. You got to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's like watching. It gives you like Hobbit vibes. <laughs> yeah. Like reading sure. The Hobbit. We should probably have said, I don't know if it's still on sale, on Apple, it was $4.99 on iTunes with a... In, incoming 4k bump i'm assuming at some point so likely if, yeah if this intrigues you you gotta pop now you might be too late already you gotta pop for that 4k auto pop yeah now this uh this is the final cut i believe of the film as well um which there have been multiple versions over the years but seems like the final cut is the one that everybody is standing by at this point what was different about the other cuts I'm not too sure. I think this one actually is even shorter than the director's or theatrical cut. No so. foreskin? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really. I usually look it up, see what the differences are. I didn't look this one Would up. Like the first Blu-rays with the director's cut, like foreskin edition. 
I was going to say, it's too bad they don't do that anymore because the 4K could be foreskin K edition. Yeah. All right. I think we got to get into the climax and some spoiler stuff. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess I, I could say, I don't know if I really said it, but I really like The Wicker Man. I mean, I think it's... Had you seen I, it before, Sean? I had seen it before. I didn't remember a lot of the details. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it's it does have a way of kind of sticking with you in terms of vibe anyway. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, you got to see it at some point. Yeah. It is a movie that has a lot of hype and build up, like the wicker man, as we said, something I've heard of many times. I know, or I knew it had a reputation and it can be hard for movies like that to live up to those reputations. But I think this one does. Yeah. Okay, so getting into spoilers now for The Wicker Man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, do, you, do you remember Kill List, Frank? I do. Sorry, I should have brought that up. Yeah, Kill List and even a bit uh, The Witch. Mm -hmm. I, I thought of that movie a, a little bit, but Kill List for sure. Even the, the star of Kill List reminds Looks me like, a bit of the, yeah. the cop in this. Yeah, yeah. and they, they kind of inverse that and he's a hitman but even the punch costume the the jester costume with the hump on the back mm -hmm. is reminiscent of the hunchback at the end of kill list um that's one funny moment in wicker man is when the cop hits that guy and knocks him out to take his costume he hits his hump like the stuffed hump on the back and I guess they thought, you know, well, the, the angle will be all right, but very clearly he's just hitting the hump on this costume. <laughs> but yeah, I love, you know, the, they got to bring this, it feels like this has been lost. People knocking other people out, taking their, their outfits and leaving them tied up in like white undershirts and white boxer shorts. You can't beat that. Yeah. It's classic, classic stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I, if there's one thing that was kind of ruined for me, but not in a bad way is like, I don't know what the original poster looked like, but now the poster is essentially the final ceremony or rite or whatever it is, where it's this huge wicker man that he gets put in and burned, uh, which I think is like pretty impressive that that thing, like, like it's, it's creepy. It's got spectacle. Uh, it feels like a climax to a movie. It, it builds to this moment. And sometimes when movies build to like uh, a set piece, especially when it ends the movie, the movie's done as soon as that's over, uh, they can f sometimes fail and not really uh, build up appropriately. And this one just, it's perfect. The, the imagery, the intensity, the conclusion, including the final shot where... That shot is impressive <laughs> yeah like they where, captured where it right when it's down when the sun's going down and then it collapses uh that that's pretty cool considering you know they had to build it uh i'm sure they had you a way of like only caving it one, in right but you you know they only had one take to get it and yeah it's like that shot everyone shares of the bbc presenter walking the rocket and yeah the rocket taking off um yeah the the image of the wicker man is great and it does have that, you know, sudden ending that a lot of the films from this era have. I mean, we 
talked about it a bit on the Argento premium, how some of those movies like Suspiria ends with the the house burning and it's kind of like credits roll and okay, we're out. But this one, the, the abrupt ending works because of what's happening to the lead character. It's just kind of gives you a, like a, a, a feeling of how all of that led up to just him being killed. And once he's dead, the story's over. Um, I just hope those apples come back. <laughs> yeah. Cause he died for nothing if they don't get apples. Yeah. I love the ending to the idea of, you know, you've got the two, uh, religious, you know, philosophies or whatever, butting heads. And then they're both singing and shouting at the top of their lungs against each other, basically. Uh, it reminds me of something we saw when we were filming cursed films and it was in 20, I think 2021 in DC near the white house when they still, I don't think it's up anymore, but they had that fence up to keep people away from the white house and it had placards all over the place. And there was the like protesters at the wall at the white house. And then there was a religious group of protesters singing and it was like them singing these Christian hymns or whatever. And then the other group blasting hip hop on their, their, uh, well, it wouldn't have been ghetto blasters, but, and just the, like, it literally was two like camps of people just attempting to drown the other out. And it was just chaos. And yeah, I, I love the way that he just starts singing and, um, and then you realize this guy's, this guy's dying and he, he ain't been fucked. You know what I mean? This guy's going to the grave without yeah, dipping really his wick. Should, really dipping his wicker, up. man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also love the animals, door. the animals in the chambers throughout the, the body of the wicker man. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's filmed well. Like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like, like you don't, it's not graphic, but um, you get a sense of what's happening. I have one complaint about the, the filming of the wicker man burning. I actually think it could be longer. I think there could be more coverage of like, especially from the exterior, like just taking in the spectacle of that moment. That would be my only, like I, I could have dealt with more of that. I will say I agree in that. I feel like there could have been more of a wide. Yeah big wide shot with the people and the burning thing. Yes. And, li and just linger on it a bit more. It, it cuts pretty quickly to the interior where like there's flames around him, which is important. I, I like that stuff, but I, I think I, I would have padded that out a bit more because yeah. it, it is such a compelling image that I wanted to observe it for longer. It's like those porn videos where they, like have a, a like guitar hero timer on it that you're supposed to like jack off to. <laughs> and if it's too quick, then you, the scene ends before you finish. If it's too long, you're like done. I'm going to come. And it was similar in <laughs> wicker man. Like I just, I was still going after the credits rolled and would have loved to have, uh, sunk that up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a question. This might be embarrassing. What does the 
the Daniel note mean or the, the name Daniel? There's like some revelation of a piece of paper with paper <laughs> with the name <laughs> <laughs> Daniel on it. I, I can't even remember the exact context, but I'm like, is this, it feels like it's supposed to be important. This name, Daniel. Yeah. I can't remember. And that was the one thing I was like, I don't know. Did I miss something completely? When you said the Daniel note, <laughs> I was thinking of the brown note, like there's some <laughs> note. This is the, the name Daniel, I believe written on paper. Papier. Papier. Yes. Thank you. Sean, here's your, I, I, I Googled it. I'm seeing a Reddit thread and some people are saying like, so he, he shouts it at the end of the movie Oh, that's they, what it is. They, okay, think, okay. they think it's like a religious reference, but then some people are saying he's not saying Daniel; he's saying Jesus. I don't. He definitely says Jesus at the end. Mine said, I think mine said Jesus. Well, he definitely says Jesus. Maybe he says Daniel as well. But yeah, I, I, I saw Daniel somewhere. Maybe that's why I think it's a piece of paper because I saw the subtitle. I don't know. I I was truly confounded by Daniel. I mean, it seems here, most people are just saying it's a Bible reference. Some people say he's actually saying failure and it sounds like Daniel. <laughs> failure! <laughs> I don't think that's... Here it says, could also be in reference to another Bible story where Daniel's dis disciples Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a furnace but didn't burn. Oh, wait. So somebody else that's is saying... starting to make a little more it, sense. It, oh, the lion and the... Daniel and the lion. Mm hmm in the lion's pit. Oh, but I don't know. Clinging to his Christianity in the final scene, uh, similar to the situation in the story of Daniel and the lion. Then he's saved by God at the last minute. Somebody else is saying, he's saying, damn you, which could sound like Daniel, but we got to check the subtitles on that one. I don't know. Uh, I would, my guess would be he's thinking of that Bible story and yelling Daniel. So the, the Lord or God intervenes at the last minute. Could I'll make bring sense. it up right now and check the subtitles while you guys uh, <laughs> keep going here. I do kind of like, yeah, I thought there was some other reference earlier in the movie as well, but maybe not. Uh, we didn't mention Christopher Lee. I thought he was great in it. The, like the wig he has or whatever, like it's just kind of off putting as well. And he again is the, like seems like a, I not regular person, but like an affluent person that people respect within the community. So when he goes to see him uh, and he's pretty honest about everything in retrospect, looking back, he, he doesn't really lie. Uh, at some level, everyone in the town is lying about Rowan because they know what happens, but uh, they, they haven't necessarily done anything wrong at that point. It's all manipulation which I think is uh, pretty good as well. And I, I also like when they explain to him why he's the perfect sacrifice, the, the King's fool and the, was it the Virgin uh, something? He's got like four things. Mm -hmm. And he came of his own free will free. Yes. That, that came of his own free will. I, I, I thought that explanation of just, it, it, it ultimately makes no sense, but in the context of like a pagan ritual, I thought it was a pretty good reveal. Uh, and it did tie back to when you, we had initially seen like the 
the jester and all these other elements and the king's fool, you, you get a sense of those things already that they're important. And the way it projects those things onto him, I think is pretty good. And it's not obvious either. Okay. Subtitled, he is yelling Daniel. So it's definitely not on a piece of paper. It's just something he says. I was way off with that. Yeah. The other thing that's great about that scene is the contrast of despair and celebration. Like cutting back and forth between him, like praying and dying and screaming to them dancing and celebrating outside. Yeah. um, Works really well. I was going to mention too the idea of him stealing the costume and kind of like being part of the ritual in disguise reminded me a lot of Eyes Wide Shut, which I'm sure is probably mm-hmm. in some way influenced by this film. That's another sort of narrative thing that I love. Um, going back to the Wizard of Oz, sneaking into the witch's castle and Lord of the Rings, sneaking into whatever Mordor or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that works quite well. It, it's made me want to revisit the remake. I remember thinking the remake was not great, but I don't know. I'd, I'd like to revisit and reevaluate. Yeah. I thought about watching it today, but it wasn't really readily available on anything for like streaming or. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it before, so I would like to see it. And I, I'm curious about Wicker Tree which is that sort of sequel that Robin Hardy directed, which everybody says is pretty bad, but I mean, I'm Wicker Man premium could have been, <laughs> could have been save it for the premium. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I don't know if you want to break down the logic of things in the movie, Frank, you seem to have problems with it. I thought it was pretty watertight. The, the only thing I thought didn't quite, like required a lot of uh, luck, I suppose, is him knocking the jester punch guy out and taking his costume. Just the idea that, like, because he is taking part in the ritual at certain parts, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and so and I, kinda... I believe they say it was important for him to take on that role. Right. Like okay. they, so... they needed him. They needed him to be that role. Yeah. So it's in the fact that they kind of intended for him to do all the things that he actually does, you know, it's, <clears throat> but we don't know the things that they intended for him to do that he didn't do. <laughs> I guess that's maybe. True. And we did, you know, look at uh, Darren Brown's the push, which proves that you can uh, guide people towards a conclusion. Yep. You can make anyone do anything basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's. I I thought the other element would be how did they know to send him the letter in particular? When you file a police complaint, you don't know what officer is going to show up. So, unless they have someone on the force, but I don't know. Does it matter? Like, like I know they said he's the perfect person, but like, couldn't anyone who? No, it matters because he's a virgin as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, as he says when he's burning, he says he, he. he doesn't want to go to hell because he's dying. He die. He's dying unshriveled. I don't know. If that means <laughs> that he's got he a says? boner. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess like in terms of logic stuff, there's just I, I think there's things where you know he checks the school 
like everybody's saying this girl doesn't exist, but then, you know, he checks the school records and her name is there. There's an empty desk. So you would think, well, okay. Like if you're prepping this, why would you mess that up? Why would you leave that? But, but I guess they kind of want him to stick around. So they, I feel like they're creating like just things that make him keep thinking that, okay, there's something to investigate here. I need to stick around. That's an example of like efficient storytelling to me when he goes to the bar and even at a distance, you see all the images of the harvest and it's like, you just get a silhouette. It almost looks like a cross. It's like white and white and like a a gray picture other than that. And they all look the same. And the first time you see it, you're like, I don't, I don't even know what this is supposed to be. And then you kind of get a sense of what it is. And then when he goes to look at the photo, you immediately recognize that this one looks different. Like it's empty, it's missing things. And obviously Rowan is in the picture, but uh, I I think it's like, that's just a small example of like, I was into the movie to the point where I was, I was observing those photos. There was a repetitive image that pulled me in to observing them. And then it has a payoff later as well. So I, I think it's, from a first-time director, like, it's really impressive. There's also a, a feeling of going mad because he, he's in this town. Everyone but him seems to be uh, tuned into this way of living. He's the only one who, who thinks anything they're doing is strange. And then once you start adding masks and costumes and all of the sex stuff, which is like directly targeted at his own faith and his uh, feelings. So it feels like it's all kind of put together for him to slowly break him down. I don't think it is. I think it's just the way they live, but it gives you a sense of, of him kind of being the sole in his mind, sane person in this town of people that don't seem to be questioning anything that they're doing. Um, And then add on top of that, a, a missing little girl that everyone says is not missing or doesn't, or doesn't exist. Um, gives you that sense of someone losing their mind. Yeah, I guess. So one other thing I thought might get discussed a little bit more that we haven't really touched on is, you know, the idea of rules and laws and following them, which we know Frank likes to do. But it's an interesting thing in in this movie because this guy is coming from the mainland and, you know, they like in this time period and on this island, they seem completely cut off from the mainland, basically. And so this guy comes in and is basically like, oh, you guys aren't following our rules, you know, like our religion and all our laws and all this stuff. And at a certain point, you're like, well, why are you allowed to tell them what, what rules to follow when they're, they're kind of their own community, you know? So it's just an interesting, uh, I don't know, something that the, the movie makes you think about a bit. Well, they're also following their rules. They're following a very different set of rules, right? Like they're, they're doing all of that to appease the, uh, this God to give them the... The, uh, an apple <laughs> um right this guy's really hung so up it, on the apples <clears throat> i just wish we got to see an apple maybe in the sequel the wicker tree might be an apple tree it's true yeah 
Uh, did this, that's it for me. Did this movie make you guys want to go to Burning Man at all? No, but it did make me think of the Burning Man flood thing that was happening uh, whenever that happened and everyone stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. Is that what they do at Burning Man? Do they like have some huge thing that they burn? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a I Burning Man. I did not know that. <laughs> I don't think they sacrifice a human in it, but... <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. You guys hear that? Yep. Yeah, what's going on? Some Sounds like uh, people making their way out to some Halloween festivities. Mm. I mean, if anything, the connection to Halloween is like... What not Halloween like pagan origins? Mm-hmm. And like, this is the ultimate tribute to paganism. Yeah. Yep. It might be the most Halloween movie ever made. It's, it's definitely Halloween appropriate. It's just not like gory or scary or it's, it's unsettling, I suppose, but it's good. Yeah. Really enjoyed this rewatch. Um, okay. What are you guys going to give the wicker man out of five stars? I'll give it a 4.5. Wow. I'm giving it a late five. Five banger. I mean, I'm giving it a four and a half, but I am thinking maybe I should be giving it a five, but four and a half. I'm just going to say, I think you like this movie more than Killers of the Flower Moon. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I mean, the thing with the wicker man that maybe is a strike against it, I guess, is it it is a movie that it, it lulls you into a you know, what, what's the word there's, there's a, uh, because a of the trans like nature. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another word for it, but like, you know, there, because of the music and stuff, you kind of just, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it puts you to sleep because I didn't actually fall asleep, but it does kind of put you in that zone out kind of mentality at points. Yeah. That unshriveled bone zone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's get into some other stuff we watched. And I don't know how much we got because, you know, it's only been a few days, but... Uh, yeah, I don't have anything because I, all I saw was the killer and we're going to review that, so... Would you, you don't want to reveal anything about your thoughts on the killer? I don't think I can. Hmm. Should I? I mean, I don't know. It's up to you. One word. Give us one word. <laughs> I won't say one word. I will give a public service announcement to those. I don't think you need to see this movie in theaters. Whoa. I think you're okay waiting for it on Netflix. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Can you add anything? Is it just that? Like, what is... Like, in terms of... You know, the intensity or spectacle of a theatrical experience, there was really only one sequence for me that I was like, okay, this was a pretty, a lot of it is him inner monologuing and uh, like going through this process. To me, there was nothing was like, I was, I'm glad I went to a theater to see this. Like like this would not have been the same experience at home. I think it, and I'm probably at some level, I think David Fincher is aware of that. Uh, at some level and 
when you guys see it, think about that when you watch the opening credits, especially for a David Fincher movie. Like, just a different vibe. Uh, anyway, that's all I'll say. I'm not going to say whether I, I liked it or disliked it, but I don't think... If you're like, I got to go see this in theaters, but it's only playing in select theaters, I'm not going to get a chance again. I mean, obviously, if you love David Fincher, feel free to go see it in theaters. But if you're like worried about it, I wouldn't be. Well, it's interesting that um, you mentioned the inner monologue thing, because I'm reading the graphic novel right now, and there's a lot of inner monologue. And I was thinking, is this is all this going to be narration in the movie? Sounds like it, it, it's, it is. I would say... 70% of the movie is inner monologue, if not more, hmm. which I like. I like that idea, but. Cool. Um, okay. Well, I can say I watched Five Nights at Freddy's. Not we probably f- should have watched this. I, 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 did, I, for, I forgot about it. I know everyone's talking about this movie. Are they? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's like the, the trendy movie this weekend, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the only major release, I think. And it's obviously Halloween. It's a horror movie. I'm curious how well it's going to do because, you know, it feels like people know the video games. And obviously, like I said, my son wanted to see it. He knew what it was. That's an audience that this movie is like, and some of his friends went to see it at the theater. So clearly they're aware of it and they want to see it. Um, but I... Before you say anything, what was Kieran's reaction? Does he get two hero drops in one episode? <laughs> Hold on, let me get to the hero page. I, I will decide if it's hero drop worthy. <laughs> well, he <laughs> he said something partway through the movie that I wish I had recorded because it would have deserved a hero drop because he said i can't remember exactly but he was basically like man they just got the rights to this so they could butcher it (laughs) (laughs) five nights at freddy's is definitely a uh top pops style picture i I did do you know if top pops was involved in the production of (laughs) five nights at freddy's at all i don't but Does Kieran I, know who Top Pops is? No. I don't think so. Should he? He should. I mean, Top Pops is from St. Catharines. That's true. But, I mean, I assume there's some Funkos, a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's Funkos out there, right? Probably. So anyway, I mean, I, I am not that familiar with the games. I've seen... <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces of them. I know the characters. I don't, I didn't know the story. And actually it's weird because watching the movie, things that are part of the mythology or lore of these games, it seems reading afterwards, it seems like most of the stuff in the movie is kind of from the games, but I had no idea. Uh, So, I, I mean, I won't, I don't, I don't know how much to get into. I won't spoil too much, but you know, obviously if you aren't familiar with the games, it's, uh, Basically, it's uh, they're horror games where you're a night watchman or security guard at a um, Chuck E. Cheese type restaurant where the animatronic characters come to life and start killing. And in the games, from what I understand, you're basically just in a control room 
watching a map and trying to like close gates and doors and vents to prevent them from getting to you, something like that. But, but there are apparently bits of story doled out along the way. Uh, so in this movie, uh, Josh, is it Hutcherson or Hutchinson? Never remember. I think but, it's uh, Hutchinson. Is that the guy who was like a big up and coming star a while ago? Yeah. Hutcherson it is. And he, yeah, I mean, he, I feel like he hasn't been in anything for a while and, um, he's kind of the only star or, you know, kind of known actor in this movie. And he's not, uh, I mean, nothing against him. He's just not, not bringing a lot of charisma or, you know, he's not really carrying this movie in my opinion, but, um, but so his character has, you know, becomes the night watchman and he kind of struggling to hold a job. So he has to take this crappy job and uh, he lives with his little sister because their parents died and he's trying to take care of his little sister. And then he keeps having these flashbacks to something that happened when he was a kid where he also had a brother that apparently was kidnapped and he keeps... In these flashbacks, he's trying to look for details because he's trying to remember who who took my brother because he can't remember, but he feels like the details are there if he could just see them clearly. And um, it kind of just goes from there. Like, obviously, his flashbacks do tie into the mythology of these animatronic characters. But the thing that I thought really didn't work, I mean, I, did, I wasn't really a fan of the movie. You know, maybe it's not for me, but... Um, I just, you know, it's not scary for one, and it's definitely toned down, I think, for kids on purpose. It is PG-13, but they almost make the animatronic characters good at a point where they're not really a threat anymore. And that just felt like a big mistake to me, uh, like to the, to the point where like there's probably going to be a sequel. And I don't know how you bring back those characters to feeling menacing again, but um but yeah, anyway, I mean, there's, in terms of the actual scares or violence in the movie, that's the one weird thing is like, there's these animatronic suits that they try to put characters in and they have like these gears that are grinding towards their face. It's almost like being in like a saw style trap. Um, so you see that, but you don't actually, you know, see anyone get killed by them. And then there's a couple he gets scratched by something and there's a bit of blood Ooh, that's a scratch. It. Yeah. There's, there's some, and that's about it. But are there any jars of foreskin? <laughs> no foreskin. Um, no stomach know. ribbons, no, no turquoise beans. Definitely uh, nothing like that. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. Are any of the animatronic effects practical or is it all CG? That I don't know. I like, they seemed, at points to be practical to me, but I never actually looked into it. Um, Cause I could see a version of like a, some practical f effects of this movie that could be cool. But in my head, I imagined everything being like CG kind of stuff. I mean, overall it felt like a pretty cheap movie and I, I, I think the look of them is okay, but uh, you know, they, they move more than I remember them moving in the game too, which actually makes them seem less creepy. Um, and I'm pretty sure most of that was CG. But um, yeah, wouldn't really recommend. 
but I'm sure it's going to do well this weekend. Jay? I don't really have anything. The only thing I watched is I did a rewatch of Phobe. Oh, nice. Oh. Tis the season. What's the official title again? Phobe, the... Xenophobic Experiments. Xenophobic? Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, okay. I thought it was the Xenophobe Experiments, but... Oh, it might be the Xenophobe Experiments. Sean? He got Hutchinson wrong, so just... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Xenophobe. I think you're right. Xenophobe... Yeah, I think it's... I don't think it's xenophobic. Yeah, because then it would be they're experimenting. No, it's the xenophobic experiments. Trust okay. your gut, bud. <laughs> should should have went with my gut that it, the one that makes less sense is the one that they went with. <laughs> is it experiment or experiments? Experiments. Mints? Mints. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, that good, was a, it's a good branding thing. You could take like Tic Tacs and put them in xenophobic experiments and yeah. give, them, give them out at the premiere. <laughs> kind of like how Ralph gave out bags of popcorn at the Beauty Day premiere. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. They had to all, all be thrown out immediately because <laughs> no food was allowed. So I, I ate it outside, I think. Did you? How was yeah. it? Was it like stale? It was. There were balls, popcorn balls, right? I think. No. I don't know. But I remember thinking it was good. Hmm. I mean, it's hard to make bad popcorn. <laughs> There's video of that on YouTube somewhere. Him skateboarding up to the line and wiping out right in front of the whole line. <laughs> Pretty sweet. So I'm just, just double checking. Uh, looks like they actually use Jim Henson, Jim Henson's creature shop for five nights at Freddy's, but I thought you were talking about phobes still. No, <laughs> but I mean, there's no way it was all hundred percent practical. Like there's definitely some CG in there. Minimal CG hmm. apparently. So you kind of said there was only one star in the movie. Uh, I guess Mary Stuart Masterson and Matthew Lillard don't count to you, Sean. <laughs> I mean, they're not really in the movie that much, um, but I guess Just you're checking. right. I guess you're right. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So a couple other things I watched, actually. So I watched an episode of John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. You know he had to. Bring I mean, up the quote, Sean. Maybe not everyone <laughs> has heard the quote. You got to get it out to the to the public. I mean, there's a million variations of this quote out there because <laughs> he's said it many times before, but, uh, yeah, let me see if I can find it. He was on the Col Stephen Colbert late I mean, show. He's, he's been doing a lot of press. Like it's insane. Like, I don't think he's ever done this much press before in his life. Like it's, he's, he's everywhere all of a sudden just to promote this weird show. But, uh, can't find the quote. Somebody else look it up while I talk about this. So he did direct an episode of this show over Zoom from his living room. <laughs> Was it? What does Marty think about that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it wasn't COVID related at all, was it? No. No. I think they shot it in 
Prague or something like that. So, I mean, that's probably partially why he just didn't want to travel for it. But isn't that kind of how like Fantastic Mr. Fox was directed to some degree? Wasn't it like a value? I'm sure Wes Anderson was more involved, but I I think he did a lot of remote directing on that and was watching dailies or like small segments and directing them through footage he was seeing elsewhere. Like he wasn't on set for that. It's not impossible. Well, the, it's a little different. I, I'm I'm guessing he was on set for all of the voiceover, like the voice yeah. recordings. Everything else is just essentially similar, I would imagine, to post like effects, visual effects or something. But I'm just guessing John Carpenter. I mean, I'm surprised he came back for this. I don't that's, know if he just I'm... got a really big paycheck and the fact that he's directing it from his living room, I think is as much of a, uh, you know, explains as much of his attitude towards directing now as it does probably his attitude towards this show, which is they offered money. I said, I'd do it. I just don't want to leave my house. If it was a project that maybe he was more passionate about, he probably would have put a little more effort. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of struggling with with this. Like, I don't really understand why, like, okay, if you're going to come back just for a paycheck, then yeah, why is he directing an episode? And why is he doing all this press for this thing? Like, unless that was just He should be the doing the press from his house. Like, it should be part <laughs> of the press. So here's the quote. Uh, <laughs> he said, they said, uh, some people would view you as one of the master directors of horror films. And he said, that's nice. Sorry, I'm eating a popsicle. <laughs> so you don't consider yourself to be, look, I'm not a master of anything. I just want to play video games and watch basketball. That's all I care about doing. I don't want to bother anybody. I made a little series. If you don't like it, fuck off. If you do like it, I like you. So there you go. I mean, the, the video game and basketball thing is becoming a bit of a meme and a bit of a, I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, coming from him, I, I believe that's absolutely the truth. And he's just like, this is, this is where I'm at. But the, the, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like John Carpenter is now that for, for, the 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 film twitter community or whatever and i don't know if it's as it's funny for sure but i don't know if it's as like cool or something to be as celebrated as some people think it is yeah i mean so this show like i wanted to watch the episode that he directed but it wasn't out yet on i should say i watched it on the global tv app in canada which has it but uh <laughs> I think maybe all the episodes are on Peacock already. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it's a true crime show, which is the weird thing. And it's apparently they're trying to pass these off as true stories. Uh, you know, doing a little bit of reading, it seems like it's they're very, very loose. Like, I couldn't even... The one I watched took place in N Nepean, Ontario. And I thought, oh, well, there's got to be some info out there on this thing. And I could... I don't think I could find really anything about it other than people talking about the episode and 
referencing some, but you know, they have interviews with the people supposedly. I was trying to find out if they're actors cause I couldn't even find that out. But, um, see that yeah. this sounds like just gross <laughs> on every level, you know, like using, if they are real stories, using real stories and just leaning so heavily into what Netflix is already doing with a lot of these things with the recreations and, you know, trying to capitalize on trends right now in the streamer space. I can totally see how this is pitched and like, oh, that's, that's great. Okay, let's get John Carpenter's name on it. I mean, it just feels very cynical, but how was it? Was it amazing? <laughs> Did it knock your socks off? That Nepean thing reminds me of, uh, when I watched an episode of strange addictions and it was a, a girl that drank gasoline from Welland. And I'm like, I, I haven't heard of this person from Welland. <laughs> I haven't seen her around. Yeah. I mean, that's what I like the feeling that I should maybe have heard of this before. Uh, not that I'm like that close to Nepean, Ontario, but like, I don't know. I just, it was weird. Um, but yeah. So the story of the first episode is that some friends, take out a, they're at a party, they take out a Ouija board and they, you know, hook up with a, a spirit. Um, and it turns out that, uh, you know, it spells out the name of like a cousin that one of the girls there has, sure. She has a cousin with the name Kelly and, uh, and, but her boyfriend is the one that keeps having nightmares about this and like, keeps feeling like we need to investigate something happened to her. And it's like, yeah, she turns out she drowned or something. So they like, I don't know. He starts to kind of go off the deep end a bit, trying to find out what happened. And it, it feels like unsolved mysteries, basically, which, hey, I like unsolved mysteries. But It was, I was scary. I mean, were, were you scared by this? Were you nipping in your pants or what? <laughs> I was not. I mean, it was, the acting was pretty bad, I thought. Um, but it's just, again, like, I don't know. John Carpenter associating himself with this. It seems really weird, but, um, how is Prague as Ontario? <laughs> I mean, you don't, it's mostly takes place in a basement houses. and houses. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I guess like, um, the, the Netflix Texas chainsaw massacre was filmed in Romania, I think, or was it, or was it also Prague playing uh, Texas? Yeah. I can't remember which one, but yeah. Are there enough stars in this for you, Sean? I don't see any stars. You must be really upset. I was very disappointed in the number of stars in this. But I wanted to, I was trying to find the, um, the, the, the theme song for this, which apparently Carpenter composed. Uh, it's <laughs> hilariously bad, in my opinion. Like, it, you can hear his music in the background, but then there's this singing over top that's like, very cheesy i can't singing yeah there's there's vocals and and uh there's he also does an intro i assume it's just the same intro for every episode but it's just like i can't remember exactly what he says it's something like uh you know th this show is exploring the mysteries in suburbia i'm john carpenter and this is suburban screams <laughs> so bad this guy's really taking it. This might be his new Kevin Smith. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's uh, Suburban Screams. 
and I did watch a couple other movies. I watched uh, Ginger Snaps, first time watch for me, mm-hmm. Canadian horror film. Oh, yeah, that was the big debate. <laughs> Canadian horror. Yeah, I mean, you might uh, you might question it, but it uh, looks pretty Canadian. It was shot in and around Toronto, I believe. No, it and, wasn't it Vancouver? Uh, from what I saw, it was mostly GTA. Ooh. It, like, it, it looked to me like Oakville, but I think it was more like Etobicoke. Uh, but it, yeah, it looked very familiar. So, uh, you know, it's a, um, a werewolf story. Uh, two sisters that are kind of, you know, goth outcasts, misfits at their school. Definitely reminds me a bit of like the craft and that kind of thing. Um, but it, it also feels a bit like a post scream horror film in that, you know, the dialogue is very, it has that feeling of like, um, you know, they're trying to invent, a, you know, certain slang words and stuff. And I don't know, maybe some of these were slang words that people were using at the time, but I didn't really, uh, feel that I remembered any of them, but. Did they say gorfing? <laughs> they didn't say gorfing. What are some of the slang that. I can't remember. We'd have to check the quotes, the movie quotes section on IMDb, but just, you know, it had that, but, but I liked that about it actually, uh, but it did remind me of, um, you know, like the faculty and it kind of just felt like movies like that, uh, which is a good thing in my opinion, but. Jennifer's thought, body a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought the uh, the effects and the gore and stuff were actually quite good. I mean, the final creature at the end, maybe a little too rubbery for my tastes, but um, for the most part, I, I, I thought it worked. And uh, and yeah, I, I liked kind of that uh, dynamic of the sisters and uh, yeah, had a pretty good time with it. Not sure that I will ever delve into any of the sequels, but I think this, you know, I think this was uh, pretty solid. The only thing I can see even close to slang in these quotes is Bridget, I don't want any drugs, Sam, then Amscray. Are they trying to bring Pig Latin back? Is that part of it? <laughs> I mean, did it ever really leave is the question. I haven't heard it in a long time, not going to lie. Not seeing much else here. It, it may not have been specific words, but. I don't know. They just had a way of talking that felt like very trying to se- seem hip. And uh, okay, now he's dialing it back a little bit. Now it wasn't words; <laughs> it was just the feeling. It might have just been the feeling. Okay. okay, don't recall. What about this, Bridget holding camera? Too much blood, and I can see your gaunch. Oh, that—that's a good one. Yeah, there's a few like that. Should I search Gaunch on the Urban Dictionary? I don't think I've ever heard of Gaunch before. <laughs> I got a feeling. I got a guess. Gaunch underwear, usually tidy whities with a stretched elastic and bearing the marks of a quarter mile drag, drag strip, which are fucking unbleachable. Okay. What about uh, Ginger? You're fucking hilarious, cave boy. Is cave boy something they try to... Push. I, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's probably only used once, but, uh, 
Cave boy is not on Urban Dictionary, but boy <laughs> cave is. A room or space in a home set aside and equipped for the entertainment of the boys of the household. Similar to a man cave, except designed for pre-adult males. So this room's a boy cave. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the example. Woman, it's awfully quiet. Where's Jake? I think he's playing Xbox down in the boy cave. <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by amiibos <laughs> cool it's great uh okay last thing i watched i watched uh totally killer on prime video and this is a horror movie that i would compare to um happy death day would be probably the closest comparison in terms of tone and in terms of it has some sci-fi elements basically there's time travel um, you know, it's a teenage girl who her, her mom gets killed by this, uh, the sweet 16 killer, which is a killer that, um, in, in this town had killed people 35 years ago, then suddenly comes back and kills her mom. But then she's able to go back in time and try to basically find out who the killer is. Um, I've definitely seen this poster on the interwebs. Yeah, it it was okay. I, I think, I don't know, like the thing that really kind of bugged me, and maybe this is stupid, but like there's a literal time machine that's being built in the movie. And, you know, like there's like a science fair or something and like her friend is just really smart and she's just sitting, she's building a time machine. And like, it is a comedy. So like, I kind of, I get it that like you can just do something, you know, kind of, absurd like that but i feel like happy death day and other movies they have like at least some kind of some other way that triggers the time travel element that's not quite so literal um but um but you know there's some fun ideas they play with and you know obviously jokes about you know now how things are now versus the 80s and stuff but it was okay i mean it was it was fine. I, it wasn't really that. It, I would say it kind of leans more to comedy than horror. Um, but I guess there's there's some blood and there's, you know, people get stabbed. So it's it's horror. So if it's Halloween night and I can only watch Totally Killer. Or Five John Nights Carpenter's at Freddy's. Suburban Screams, <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's or Bachelor in Paradise. Which one should I watch? Oh my god! <laughs> What's the scariest of the four? I think it's Bachelor in Paradise by a long shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't comment on Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, let's leave that one out of it. Out of the other three, which which should I watch? I mean, I would I would watch Totally Killer, but it's still not great. Okay. I mean, I I think the answer would be Suburban Screams. Screams, because I assume it's under an hour. Yeah. That's true. Short and sweet. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Anything else you guys need to mention in terms of stuff you watched? Nope. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, let's talk DVD, Blu-ray, and VOD releases. Uh, this week, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Kind of looking forward to revisiting this. Uh, Blue Beetle. Oh, I heard they're they're rebranding Dead Reckoning Part Two. Are they? 
So it's not going to be a part two, you mean? Correct. And I don't know if they're going to go back and rename Dead Reckoning part one. And like we got another live, die, repeat situation because the movie underperformed that they're trying. If Because the, then they're worried people didn't see the first one, that they're not going to want to see the second one. Sean, I thought you'd know about this. How do I well, know about this? And am I getting good intel? Uh, I don't know. I So, I, I mean, I know it just got delayed to 2025. I didn't see it mentioned in that any of those articles but I it would make see... sense because why would you use the same branding twice to market a movie like it, it, it you need to make it feel fresh again adding part two is not going to do it mm-hmm. i guess like i don't know if it's actually true because the articles i'm seeing are referring to the fact that they just call it mission impossible eight in some of the articles. So I guess indicating that they uh, are going to change it, but they haven't announced what the new title is yet. I don't know if that's totally true or not. But yeah, hmm. kind of weird. Screen rant. Mission Impossible 8, 8 delayed to 2025 will change Dead Reckoning Part 2 title. CBR.com fans mock potential Mission Impossible 8 title change. Joe.ie. <laughs> the next Mission Impossible is re- reportedly getting a bizarre n- n- title change. I would love to know how much Tom Cruise hates Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He definitely hates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, where were we? Blue Beetle, Retribution, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, Christmas Sean's really Christmas. letting these like uh, gaps between topics simmer. It's like there's, he's creating a tension in the air where that, you know, uh, feeling of needing to like fill in silent gaps of silence. Yeah. It's, really, I, I it's, get... it's like an unsettling Halloween <laughs> kind of... <laughs> Vibe. This conversation's gonna sound really weird after I edit out all the gaps. <laughs> the <episode>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's the thing. Sean leaves all the gaps because he knows they're gonna be edited out. So it's giving you something to do. <laughs> that's all right. It takes two seconds. But we might we gotta record another episode after this, so we might need to get the hello like note, get him back up to speed. Yeah. <laughs> Here, we'll so, just well, give I mean, a couple. You guys stop interrupting me here. I can read off these damn movie titles. Uh, Oh, no, you're coming to me, bro? (laughs) Hello. Uh, Christmas Story Christmas, A Compassionate Spy, 4K releases, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Blue Beetle, Hitchcock Classics Collection Volume 3. Does that mean they're all out now, or are there still some going to be missing from this? I'm sure, well, there's lots of films that aren't in those collections, if that's what you mean. Yeah, I just thought, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how, I, how many. I believe they're all the Universal movies. Right, okay. Like, uh, there's all of his silent films and all of the British films, and which have been released through various I, I, different I, I was just thinking mainly there was the, it was the Masterpiece Collection, whatever they had on Blu-ray, they still haven't fully brought all of those to 4k yet but no i i think that is now complete okay. nice uh it's catalog- freaking sweet 
<laughs> Catalog releases. Dance Fools Dance, Enter the Ninja, American Ninja 1 and 2, The Challenge, There's Nothing Out There, Double Trouble, Nanny, Mad City, The Witch's Mirror, The Curse of the Crying Woman, The Brainiac, Black Pit of Dr. M, uh, Stealing Christmas in Love and War, The Good Mother, and the films of Enrique Gomez Vadillo. Digital releases. We've got Reality Winner, which is the documentary about Reality Winner, the subject of the HBO film Reality, um, The Kill Room, and Outlaw Johnny Black, which is, I think, directed by Michael J. White, kind of like a pseudo Black Dynamite sequel, but as like a, it's a Western, I think. Um, streaming releases we've got all the light we cannot see on netflix we've got sly uh the sylvester stallone documentary on netflix onimusha animated series on netflix blue eye samurai on netflix dyad on netflix fingernails on apple tv plus invincible season two on prime quiz lady on hulu and disney plus and lawman bass reeves on paramount plus and then in theaters, we've got Priscilla and the Marsh King's Daughter. Uh, and next week on the show, uh, I think the, the plan is to review Priscilla. Sofia Coppola's Priscilla. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Anything else you guys need to say? Nope. Okay. Uh, filmjunk.com, patreon.com slash filmjunk. And filmjunk.bandcamp.com. Have a happy Halloween, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. Hello. Hello.